We are the Bride Radio as the voice of the true Bride of Christ. the bride of Christ to stand up and take your place in the army in the kingdom we recognize our battle is not with flesh and blood but with the principalities and the powers of the air we are a ministry of prayer and we highlight what God is doing through other ministries and ministers across the globe we provide a platform for ministers and a place for the bride to come together and rally around each other, hold up each other's arms, and pray for one another. WATV Radio celebrates the various missions that God has called each one of us to in this army, so we desire to promote and enhance the bride as a whole. Go, bride! Our soon-coming king awaits. This is a WATB disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this show do not necessarily reflect the views of We Are the Bride Ministries, We Are the Bride Radio, or We Are the Bride Television. Thank you. Welcome, my friends, to the Texas Power Hour with Pastor Carolyn Sism and friends. This radio show is an outreach ministry of Eastgate Ministries in Katy, Texas. Experience the power, experience the glory with Pastor Carolyn Sism. Check out her website at www.eastgateministries.com. Our 
just don't do anything. Think you partner with the Spirit of Christ. So there's going to have to be a bold church come up. Some of you may have seen there was a gentle minister from another time than me, and certainly a man of God, a good man of God. He corrected me. Oh, no. <laughs> it's okay. I told him I was sorry I offended him. But uh, I can't speak like I speak. I can't talk. I need to be more careful. Oh, yeah. Y'all know that. <laughs> and um, I, I apologize to him for offending. See, I, we can't let our faith offend someone else's faith. All right. Um, that I'm not going to change the way God made me. Y'all been around too long to expect there would be any changes. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, what I'm saying is, and these are sweet, good people who pray sweet, good prayers. Mm-hmm. And they're in sweet, good churches. Mm-hmm. But they don't know how to do spiritual warfare. That's right. Okay, That's but thank you, God didn't equip them to do spiritual warfare. That's right. They weren't and let's just, you know, be glad that they're sweet, good people praying sweet, good prayers in sweet, good churches. That's right. But there's going to have to be a bold, overcoming, militant church arise. Amen. Amen. And we're going to have to go into the realm of the Spirit. Yes. And we're going to have to go into the kingdom of darkness and we're going to have to fight Satan on his ground. And I can't, and I don't go around being sweet to the devil. Amen. Amen. Yes. Preach it. Not in your house either. That's right. That's right. If the devil shows up in your house, you don't go up and pat the devil on the shoulder and say, oh, now you just be sweet and kind and good. He's going to laugh at you. Y'all met some of those demons. Yeah, we're gonna, uh, we got the arm. We got the arm. But if you have to confront the devil, that's right. You have to call him out. And you, and see this then this gentle, kindly preacher was trying to put fear in me. That I should fear the devil for what I'm saying. No. No, absolutely. Okay. No. I am teaching you. To not have any fear in you, that you not fear anything. Because church, and I'm going to get to it, I'm going to go into this pale horse. The church, Jesus Christ has already overcome death. Death is a faith. Demon, king, over a kingdom in, in Satan's demonic kingdom. Okay, he rides a pale horse. The Bible says he does. Okay, God has given you authority over death. Death's not going to take you to heaven. Right? Death is a demonic spirit. So death's not going to take you to heaven. Death has no power over you. That's the Lord. Hallelujah. When the time for me to go to heaven, Jesus is going to come get me. Death won't be anywhere near there. That's just what I believe. Okay, so right now, church, you're facing the, the demonic third power of Satan's trinity.
kill, steal, and destroy. The church is coming face to face with the spirit of death. And there are people who are saying, be careful. Mm -hmm. Be careful. Be afraid. Just wanted you to know where I stood on that. <laughs> okay, what you fear, you don't have authority over. That's right. Anything that you fear has you. It has authority over you. Faith is the opposite of fear. So whenever we have faith to believe that God already rules the universe, yes. all power in heaven and earth has been given to him. Yes. And he has given it to his church. Why am I going to fear man? Why am I going to fear the demonic kingdom? Okay, he may come and try to do his works with me. What's he going to do? Kill me? <laughs> no. <laughs> And death has no power over me. I mean, it can't kill you until God says so, because Jesus overcame death. He defeated death when he rose from the dead. And so even if Satan tries to kill you, he can't without God's permission. That's right. And then he will get, the devil won't kill you. It will be God taking you home. So if we can get to that place, what's the devil going to do to you? Okay, so who can carry the glory? I got two messages here. We'll get her done. Um, you, I, I mean, now I'm sitting here and go with my hammer, which y'all heard many times, but it's important. Y'all listen to me again. We will never corporately carry revival, the harvest, and the glory. And in that are people who are scared of the glory, I'm not. Because I believe that you're supposed to carry the glory. That's right. You will only carry the measure of the glory that you are able to carry. Yes. Until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Phyllis Garrett just walked to the room and an anointing, an angel came in with her that was anointing, walked in the room with so. <laughs> Okay, this is my life scripture. I used to put it on all of my paperwork. Uh, just I don't have paperwork anymore, I guess, with email and computer. But this is my first calling of the Lord. Until we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And you can say, well, no one's perfect or never has been. No, but we're supposed to keep trying. And that it is the cost of a corporate body of believers revealing Christ and his kingdom to the generations on the earth. This is the cost, church. You heard my hammer. I'm coming again. Come down multiple times, especially at conference time. Y'all really get it hit over the head hard. Cautioning our congregation. No one is allowed to get offended or cause offense. And immaturity. The leadership of this church has been through many seasons. Beth, when Beth brought forth her prophecy, we have been through many seasons. Why has the Lord tested us and proven us in those seasons, Beth? In each season that we have gone through, 
that the Lord has brought us through. It was a proving. Who's he proving us to? Not himself. He knows what you got. He's proving us to Satan. See, they're still here. They're still following me. You couldn't knock them out with this and that and the other. He said, take a look. I'm raising up a triumphant overcoming church. Amen. I'm going to have a triumphant overcoming militant church who is going to go in and take out the devil. And they're going to know that they have the authority over the spirit of death, which is riding upon their nation as we speak. Cheryl told her she was mad on <laughs> this abortion thing. Good. Me too. Um, as we know, many have fallen away. That you know. You know where they are. They fell away. Y'all know who will know them. Many went into rebellion. I'm going to do it my way. They just followed their own life plan. They got a life plan and and not everyone who left our ranks, of course not, left uh, because they fell away. Because of the falling away. No, God sent them out for whatever reason, whatever he's doing in life. We don't feel that way at all. But there is a great falling away going on in the earth right now. But they're still carrying the name Christian. That's right. Yeah. But they got their own life plan. The leadership of this church, you've been seasoned. You can spot it walking through the door. What's with the motive? You, you can spot motives when they open their mouth. Right. Are they promoting their yeah. own ministry? Yes. Are they, are they promoting uh, Susie Jones's ministry? Mm-hmm. Are they promoting themselves? Yes. Are they, are they revealing Jesus Christ? Yes. Mm-hmm. We know who are in the tour. Y'all can spot them, and I watch this church. The people will come in, we'll try to divide, okay? Hmm. Well, you know, Sister So and myself, no, 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 we're on. Our, uh, create strife. Yeah. Yeah. Toxic people love to create strife. Mm-hmm. It's more fun that way. Stir strife. Yeah. Jenny had a good testimony Sunday night about if she feels the Satan trying to bring toxic thoughts to her mind, she goes on a 21-day fast of just a specific scriptures and repeats them over and over until that 20 that toxic thought is gone. If you have toxic thoughts, toxic words are going to come out of your mouth. Stir trouble. Now you know these people, but see, y'all already know them. That if there's trouble, they go over and get in the middle of it and start stirring it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or if there's not trouble, they'll cause it. Mm-hmm. These are naysayers. Mm-hmm. Those who get their feelings hurt, usually because they don't get the attention. Yep. Mm-hmm. They're white. Murmurers, complainers, prima donnas. I say you have to carry them around on a silver platter or they'll break. They don't stay here. Mm-hmm. Because I don't have a silver platter for you to ride on. <laughs> Wolves trying to draw disciples.
animals unto themselves, the Bible says. Yes, yes. We've seen that a few times. I mean, like, the list goes on and on now. But see, what I'm saying is, church, you've been seasoned. You spot it, JT. You know when that spirit's working. And you know what I've watched? Y'all don't wait until I need to go tell Pastor about this. You address it right then and right there, and you correct it. That's what you're doing. That's definitely a growth situation that this body has come into. You correct it. You do it nicely. You've been taught to do it nicely. The work of the church is to disciple people into, into godliness and the way of Jesus through the gospel of Jesus Christ that they may know life, love, prosperity, peace, righteousness, Joy unspeakable on earth as it is in heaven. I knew you when you came in. I know I have known you personally, your name, sometimes some of your dogs and cats and, and the name of your children. And I have watched as you yielded your members to Jesus Christ and followed him that he has brought into you out of great trials and great things that you had to come through and he's brought you into a wide place. We're to save the lost, teach faith to the weak. This is the work of the gospel ministry. This is the work of the gospel ministry. It doesn't have your name on it. It has the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. We have no other gospel to preach. If we preach any other gospel, then we are preaching another Jesus. That's right. And by any other gospel, I mean if you are magnifying anything but Jesus Christ. Yes. I'm continuing to read the Winds of God by Harold Goss. Uh, which, as you know, from what I said last week, his experience in the Pentecostal outpouring. Um, I, I just continue to be struck by the separation, sanctification, sacrifices, consecration, and holiness of the leaders of this visitation of the Lord upon the earth. And it was a great visitation. But you see, Jesus can visit you today, but can you carry it? And see, they found out as they began their infant baby struggles through this revival in order to carry that glory. There was any sin in the camp, the Holy Spirit lifted. Yeah. The power lifted. There were no healings. Yeah. Uh, there were no great deliverances. People were not receiving other tongues mm -hmm. because there was sin in the camp. Mm -hmm. And of course, the Holy Spirit would reveal the sin in the camp, even as he does today. Mm -hmm. And they would take the person out of the camp and uh, repent them bring them to the Lord. But their ministry time was over for until uh, they were able to overcome whatever weakness in their life where Satan got them. It was, but see, what did they do? They carried this glory from 1900 to 1914. Now, in 1914, it began to 
as we see. We, you and I have lived through many revivals, if you live as long as I have. But you see when it lifted. It's when sin came in. And sin came in and took it over, like the, uh, the uh, faith movement went too far out. Yeah. God restored faith to the church. I mean, I was still under a spirit of poverty in the Methodist church. And, you know, it was best to walk around and even if you were rich and act like you were poor because that was the thing to do. Broke the spirit of poverty off us, but it went too far. Now, this is my point. If you got to carry the glory. And see, each year God calls us to have a conference. Yes. Every year. God calls the conference. I don't call it. I seek him and ask him what it is he wants to do. Okay, but when that conference comes, you've got to carry the glory. You've got to carry the way of that conference. And as y'all know, when it's over, wherever Satan can manage to find a weak link, that's where I'm going to get the complaints. Yes. So I know where the weak link is in church. Hmm. <laughs> I know where Satan has access. Wherever the moaning and the burning comes from. Okay, I'm, I'm going somewhere here. Okay, during this revival, the Holy Spirit's outpouring of salvation, baptism of the Holy Spirit, healing, miracles, signs, and wonders upon a city, and the people of that city were contingent upon the purity of the walk and heart of the leaders. There was any sin in the camp, just as it was in the book of Acts, the sin was revealed by the Holy Spirit. Those who were guilty were given an opportunity to repent and then sent home. Okay, now you and I, many of us, have been abused by the legalism of the church. Then they went into legalism. This is where Satan got them. Mm -hmm. This is what caused the revival to be lifted. They went into legalism. Mm -hmm. Okay, but the abuse of the legalism of the church, and it's still out there for some. That's right. So I call it the church under the law. Is not to be compared to the joy these dear saints experienced. Not because man required it of them. Not because man made the rules. Not because leaders demanded it of them. But they joyfully and happily separated themselves for the work of the ministry, for the race that was set before them, and the awesome outpouring of the Holy Spirit and great power in their midst. Church doesn't have much power these days. He hasn't taken the Holy Spirit from us. He hasn't taken the gifts of the Spirit from us. Uh, he, hasn't, he hasn't taken the, the gifts of the fivefold from us. We still have the apostles and prophets. But the power has lifted. Hebrews 12, 1. Since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. This is what those saints did. And they were able to carry the glory of that revival for 14 years before the devil came in with legalism. Acts 2024. 20, None of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, 
so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. I was listening very intently to the Spirit. And, and all the words that came forth were, were, were good words of the Lord. But I knew that there was a special visitation there. Yes. And see, the Holy Spirit, Jesus was looking for himself in you. Jesus is looking for himself in you. Jesus is looking for himself in me. And that's what is going to bring forth the next move of God on the earth. That's what's going to give the church back its power. It's when Jesus visits us and he satisfies himself in us, not our flesh. Amen. 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 Okay, I'm going to mention. Um, I'm going to hope y'all stay with me to finish this. We kind of, we kind of uh, got a little bit late start, so I, I apologize. I want to finish this today. Okay. Yes. I want to tell you one little story before I go into the pale horse, which is not that long. Um, Brother Giles spoke of a large tent meeting around 1912. A native African minister was the preacher. And his gifts were so outstanding that great crowds were in attendance. One night after the singing had begun, he entered the tent, went straight to the platform and knelt in prayer, praying aloud for two specific people who were present in the audience. First time they'd ever been there. They'd never been there before. But they had met with Brother Goss the day before, but this preacher didn't know anything about it. They were committing a sin which had been dealt with by Brother Goss that day. That no one knew this but Brother Gollins and the two people. And no one in the congregation knew these people. So this minister prayed with tenderness and great pity for these two through prophecy. The Lord dealt with the disgrace they had brought upon themselves and upon their distant families and upon the work of God in general. You see, Christian, when you and I fall and fail, from the grace of God, we are bringing not only disgrace to ourselves, but we're bringing disgrace to God. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You see, I have to have it right before God. Yeah. What I do has to be, my thinking, my prayer, it's got to be right before God. Yeah. If I don't, then I'm a hindrance to what he's doing. I'm not a blessing. Good word, good word. Uh, it said the power of God was so strong even the idlers around the tent and the more vicious one from the fringes of the dark gathered silently and stood solidly packed around the tent seeming scarcely to breathe. The minister told them that there once was listen to this and I want your full attention. The minister told them that their once whitened garments had become so covered with pinpoint dots of wrong reasoning and practices. We have a new word for that called toxic. Yes. Mm -hmm. That their robes had now turned to a grimy gray. Mm -hmm. Having allowed so many of these tiny wrongs in their lives, they were soon following <coughs> a dirty gray spirit instead of the dazzling white purity of Christ. The substitute spirit had led them into the sin 
in which they now find themselves. One step at a time. The short story is the minister praying with them and with so much compassion, the great audience fell into sobbing with them. They repent and the next day Brother Goss gave them train fare to their respective towns. He said, as our membership grew, there was a fellowship among us, a love which supported each other in prayer and by advice. But to our own master, we stood on sale. Spirit-filled people were swift to detect any falling away. Second Thessalonians 2.3 Let no one deceive you by any measure, for that day will not come, unless the falling away come first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. We are surely in a time of falling away. Yes. As pastor, I observe and watch. It's usually one step down at a time until rebellion and selfish desires have pulled Christians into a full-blown backsliding. Oh, it's okay. You know, that's all right. Everybody else does it. Yeah. It's all right. You're not going to carry the power of God. That's right. You're not, it's on the day that he visits, he will not find himself in you. That's a word right there. We have surely entered into a prophetic sign of the times with the murder of full-term babies approved by New York and other states following, although uh, Virginia pulled back. Alabama. We wouldn't know that in America, who would know that in America a culture would exist where the life of frogs, bugs, birds have more value than the life of a helpless infant. And there are people advocating and standing up to not kill turtle eggs. And worms. And worms. But they're okay with killing a full-term baby. Okay, so this we must again this tells us again, Rush Limbaugh's a prophet. He has a gift. He's a prophet. He said it this week very clearly. I don't know if he knows he's a prophet. He's a prophet that's been put, given a, a, a voice. People, this battle is not about Republican and Democrat. This battle is against Christianity. We have got to know it. And against the spirit of Antichrist. And you've got to know which way you're going to stand. Which way you're going to vote? Which way you're going to vote? Okay. After prayer on Wednesday night, when I walked in the door of my house, we'd been praying about all this. We just made it bam, bam, bam. I'm like, you know, let's just take care of this stuff. The thought came to me when I opened my door to my house. The pale horse of death is riding over New York. Okay. Who knows these things? Only if you know the Bible and only if you see in the spirit and you know that in what's happening in the spirit realm, both demonic and, and Christ. The famous four horsemen of the apocalypse are presented to us one by one in Revelation chapter 6. The appearance of the horsemen marks the beginning of birth pains, which herald the winding of the age. By faith, this is Carolyn talking. 
I believe the four horsemen are celestial agents of God's government. And I'm going to tell you why. Horses symbolize dominance and strength. Yes. In Zechariah 6.3, the four chariot horses are identified by the angel as the four spirits of the heavens. Mm -hmm. Here, oh, thank you, God, for the witness of the spirit. Here the word for spirits is winds. The function of the four chariot horses is to go forth from standing before the Lord of all the earth. Walk to and fro in all the earth. In their going forth, they have given my spirit rest. In Zechariah, we have red horses, white horses, black horses, and bay horses. Though the four horsemen of the apocalypse are white, red, black, and pale, and the word for that is green, God's spirit is operating in the horses and horsemen, and their function is more sinister by far. The messianic games begin with the usual race in four colors, but it's not the usual race. It's the apocalyptic race of death. It is the death race. Helen, you can't preach like this on Sunday morning. <laughs> Watch me. <laughs> Hallelujah. You go, girl. In the study of the book of Revelation, we discovered that exusia, and I put that down there. I'll come over to the end of my, well, seem to have it on here anyway. I put the definition for it, but it is the power and authority. It's given to Satan and his chain of command until the cup of iniquity is full. And we wonder, why doesn't God come in and do something? Look at all this wickedness. He still has, he has been given this authority by God until the cup of iniquity is full. Yes, that's right. The wrath of the Lamb and the wrath of God will destroy all that is evil and exalt itself against God. I just know where I want to be when all of this comes together and it's coming fast. Because this sin that America has just committed in our largest city in New York, it's bringing things into focus. And this is a prophetic sign to, to the church that you better get with it, church. Because this thing, has, the, the messianic games have started in the heavens between the Lord of hosts, the captain of the Lord of hosts, and the armies of Satan. It is God's book that is being opened, and it is his supernatural government that is being revealed. What government am I in? I'm in the government of the kingdom of God. Amen. The government of the kingdom of God is in battle with the government of the kingdom of Satan. Yes. Only Christ has the authority to open the seals of God's books. Mm -hmm. Only Christ has the authority to release the judgment sealed <coughs> therein. Satan has no authority to release the judgment. Mm -hmm. Only Christ. Since no one under the earth, over the earth, in the earth, or in heaven, except for the Lamb, can even touch the book, then Satan has no access to the judgments. 
It's my, it's my faith statement. When I tell you that, that means you can think anything you want to. <laughs> that these are judgments from God which punishes those who abuse and refuse the everlasting gospel and who abuse and refuse God's covenant with Israel. Amen. That's right. Okay, let's go there. Revelation 6, 3 through 4. Let's see what I, how fast i got to go with this. I'm moving. Okay. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, come and see. Okay, you don't have to be seers. Okay, in order for you to know what's going on in the realm of the spirit, you're going to have to see. That's right. On Sunday night, I am making the church aware. I'm calling the church to use your seeing gift to see how what the angels are doing in the realm around you. Because church, you're going to have to come and see. You're going to have to not see like man sees. You cannot see what man says and believe what man says. You're going to have to see in the spirit. And I beheld and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny. And see, you do not hurt the oil and the wine. The black horse signifies famine. One judgment seldom comes along. The judgment of war naturally draws after it that of famine. You've heard President Bush say that when he came to office, we were this close to going to war with North Korea. God has given us a window. Everybody is saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who is that? Satan wants us to go to war with North Korea. Yeah. The famine of bread is a terrible judgment. The price of food is inflated to roughly 10 to 14 times the normal price. Scarcity following in the wage of war generates nearly famine prices. A quart of wheat was the bare minimum for a man per day. A day's wages would also buy him three quarts of the less nutritious barley for his family. The coin described here is the denarius. According to scripture, the denar will be devalued. May not be popular for me to say. According to the parable of Matthew 20, verse 2, this was a laborer's daily wages in Palestine in AD 30. February the 2nd, 2019, we see the black horse riding in Venezuela, Syria, Nigeria, Yemen, and other war-torn nations. Amen. At the same time, the Lord places limits on these horsemen, ordering them not to damage the vineyards or the olive orchards. Grain grows on the surface, but grapes and olive trees have deep roots. That's right. It appears this devastation is not to go below the surface of the earth. They have a definite limitation. We can also identify the oil and the wine as the Holy Spirit fills saints. Seven through eight. When he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked. And behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed with him. 
And power was given unto him over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beast of the earth. I am here to say to you that it is my persuasion by what I see in the spirit that God has loosed this horse. It is riding in judgment over New York City. Church, it is a serious time of how you are going to battle the spirit of death. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The pale horse was a living corpse-like color translated as green. Oh, spirit of death's riding on your television screens. They have a television program about the dead people walking around and you see all these dead people walking around. That's a sign to you, church. But I'm talking to the choir here. All of you know it. I'm speaking today. So who am I speaking to? All of you know what I'm saying to you. You already know it. Yes. So who am I speaking this to? I am declaring it out. I am declaring it out so that the angels will take this word. Yes, Father. Okay, so two riders are named. The Holy Writ states one horse with two riders. Where the dead bodies fell in the wars, famines, and plagues of the first four seals, there the beast will be gathered. This is not worldwide tribulation because one quarter of the earth is to be struck with these judgments. Since Christ was envisioned by John as taking the scroll in AD 30, it is not surprising to find a rather close correlation between the first six seals and the forecast of the immediate future which were fulfilled within a generation. However, it is also prophetic of God's spirit moving today, as well as down through the centuries in times of war, famine, plagues, and death, with God everything is now. So even though this happened in John's time, with the destruction of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple, and all that was going on, it has been continually happened every time God releases these horses up It's not a one-time thing. The Word of God is not a one-time thing. The Word of God is always about what happened then, what happens in now, and what's going to happen in the future. Okay, 9 through 11. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the Word of God and for the testimony which they held. Who's being slain? Innocent. Yes. with no sin in them. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, do you not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. Of New York and the sin of the church are here in view. How have we come so far from the purity of Christ that we, the people, allow the murder of full term babies? Babies have souls. Yes. The 
Soul is the mind, will, and emotions. The word for soul here is psyche and means the breath of life. The seal of the feelings, desires, affections, aversions, our heart. When that baby was conceived, the breath of life was built, was breathed into them. And when they are born, the breath of life of God is in them. The souls of the martyrs are crying out continually from the altar for the Lord to avenge their blood for their faithfulness to the word of God and the testimony in which they helped. These are innocents crying out. Dakes, Dake writes, The soul and spirit are the inner man has form and shape exactly like the outer man and fits into the body even to the outer skin. This is based upon the fact that the soul is that part which feels and the spirit is that which knows. And again, I wrote in here that Rush Limbaugh stated that the reason the people in New York were rejoicing over the murder of helpless babies because of their hatred for Christianity and Israel. So I'm here to declare to you today that these babies in our martyrs for the same reason John was on Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony which they held which is their total innocence they were asked to wait a little longer until the number was completed the persecutions launched in AD 64 must run its course when the full tale of the martyrs is made up, the prayers of the saints on the altar fall in judgment on the earth. That's why you've got to keep praying, church. Your prayers, your prayers is what's going to release God's judgment on the earth. That's why it's so important that we cooperate with heaven and what heaven is doing on the earth that God is calling forth a church. That which is in heaven will be heavenly on earth. God is calling forth a church to go into the realms of the spirit and to fight not over your trivial, petty, little stuff. Get over it. Yeah. Take off into the realms of the spirit and begin to fight and confront and take back and begin to cry out that God will bring judgment on these wicked people who are trying to destroy Christianity and who the Antichrist has taken off. Okay, I'm going to finish. 12 through 14. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black with sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell into the earth, even as a fig tree cast her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. A great earthquake in the Bible is a recurrent sign of divine visitation. For the darkening of the heavenly bodies on the day of the Lord, 
Joel 2.31 was quoted by Peter on the day of Pentecost as part of the prophecy fulfilled at that time. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into dark blood. For the great and notable day of the Lord comes. Peter brought it in to the New Covenant and New Testament. Falling of the stars to the earth metaphorically means the collapse of established authority. And the stars shall fall and the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. In the natural, I believe there will be a physical shaking as well as a natural shaking. And changes occur in the skies as well. The sun is dark and the moon turns to blood red. We've been having all kinds of moon stuff going on. Mm -hmm. They say this is the only time this is going to happen in yep. 200 years. Then we have something else. It's going to be the only time that's going to happen. That's God. Signs of times. Mm -hmm. All these events are described in Old Testament prophecies. A complete convulsion of heaven and earth is implied. The use of such language to describe political upheaval is also well established in biblical prophecy. United States of America, you are in political appeal. Uh, your government has totally collapsed on you. The government shutdown was a sign unto you that your government has collapsed and that it is not functioning. The FBI and the Justice Department are no longer uh, on the side of we the people. The FBI and the Justice Department are setting up their own government system and power. Separate from we the people. And they're making it very plain to us. If you do not uh, fear me, I will frame you. This is what's going on. Now, I, I don't think I'm a radical at all. Do you want to hear think I'm a radical? Raise your hand. <laughs> I'm talking about somebody that doesn't have it all together. Oh no, you got it. You're <laughs> different type of radical. Huh? She radical in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> She's talking about spiritual radical. It breaks up all of the, the yeah. hidden stuff of the devil and bring it to the light. Thank you, JC. You, you're very radical in that yeah. So me and her understand a different radical. Yes. We know what radical means in the natural world. You are radical, radical. in exposing the devil. I don't care what he's hiding at. She does the light shines right on him and he can, you can see it. As soon as he sees you, then he run and jump somewhere else and the light shines on that. So wherever he goes, you find him with the scripture.
the, the radical right. They're calling us a cult. Yeah, the radical right. And that's who they're asking Satan is after. You got, the reason y'all know this, and I'm, I'm not, I'm, I guess I'm talking to somebody out there. But I can tell you, you've got to know your battle. You've got to know how to interact with the host of heaven. You have to know how to be aware of your angels around you. You've got to be able to be aware of what the, of what the devil is doing in the realm of the spirit. If, you, if the church is going to overcome and become who God has called us to be. Okay, now we're closing up. 15 through 17. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bond man and every free man hid themselves in the dunes and the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Why am I taking you to the throne of God? Because when he begins to move upon the earth, if you and I are standing before the throne of God, and we're standing with the angels of God, this thing's not going to touch us. That's where I live, right there before the throne of God. He has this to me all day long. I live alone. God has to listen to me all day long. <laughs> John elaborates the picture by enumerating the successive rights of men, kings to every slave and every free man who seek refuge on the day of wrath. They call to the mountains and the rocks fall on us. If you have authority over the spirit of death, you will not be afraid That's when right. death rides. This wrath is the retribution which must operate in a moral universe such as God's universe is. See, you and I are part of a moral universe. Yes. He put this universe together through his holiness and his godliness. When we're in the kingdom of God, we're part of that moral universe of God. We are not part of, the, of, of Satan's kingdom. It is response of his holiness to persistent and impenitent wickedness. It is indeed his strange work, Isaiah 28, 21, and I have seen the sword of his strange work. It is a sword which he girds himself slowly and reluctantly in contrast to his proper and congenial work of mercy. Where his mercy is decisively repudiated, men are left to the consequences of their freely chosen course. Amen. If here the wrath of God is also the wrath of the Lamb, it is because that wrath is not detached from the cross. Indeed, it is best understood in the light of the cross. Amen. Good work, Pastor. Very, very, very good.